I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. got a great show for you tonight. Matt, what are we going to be talking about this evening? We got a lot of smoke screens going on in the NFL. It is a, it is officially smoke screen season. So we're going to be talking about a lot of those in a buy or sell edition of Riders Roundtable. We got Jack Cavanaugh and Adia Fuldiore on the show today to talk about odds makers having no idea who's going number one. Uh, big media suggesting that the NFL may not be fond of the 2023 receiver class. Uh, The Lamar Jackson saga is taking an interesting turn. We'll talk about that. And Elijah Moore, is he he back from the grave? Plus, we'll do a little bit of rookie running back talk at the end of the show. I can't wait. Let's start the show right now. Hello, gentlemen. Jack Kavanaugh is in the wrong spot. There we go. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks for coming on the roundtable tonight. Thanks for having us. Yeah, the pleasure is all ours. Always a pleasure. Even though we had our differences last night, even though you've been a little bit slanderous, even though you somehow convinced the audience to vote for you, I think I am being unfairly punished for taking that 101. It's not my fault that I got handed B. John Robinson. I am being punished, but I will let all of that go for tonight. I will be a good guest, so thank you. All right. If you don't know, if you're not aware, in the community section on YouTube, you should get involved there if you're not already. We have these votes, right, where we go on Mock Draft Live, and then uh, you can vote for who you think won the draft. Well, Jack and I had a draft on Tuesday, yesterday, and, well, I was the winner so far, 60% to 40%, so I'm going to claim victory. I mean, fifty nine percent to forty one percent. Don't don't overstate uh, it. All right. Well, I was rounding up, and I'm not good with numbers. So, but you get the point. I I was the winner uh, so far. I guess. I mean, it could change. I don't know how far we want to take it over a year or or, or whatever. But uh, well, anyway, I'm claiming victory. So tonight on the show, we're gonna kick it off with this question. He's in the thumbnail. Elijah Moore, right? He's gotten this change of scenery. Some people think that it's the the, the scenery change that he's needed, right? Uh, get him out of New York, take him somewhere else. Aditya, uh, do you think that we are buying or selling the fact that Elijah Moore has already taken over Donovan Peoples-Jones and will return to fantasy relevance in 2023? So I'm selling that he's taken over Donovan Peoples-Jones. I think he will return to fantasy relevancy, but I don't think he's taken over DPJ just yet. Um, Peoples-Jones had a 19% target share last season. Um, Behind Amari Cooper, he was a key target for that Cleveland offense. And Elijah Moore, um, while he comes in, he's got that draft pedigree, still a couple years removed from that. he will get some sort of fantasy movement. And I think if in dynasty, we see him get say like six targets in three games, dynasty owners might be like, Oh, it's time to sell him." In that case, you want to buy him because it's going to take him some time to take some of those targets away from a guy like Donovan Peoples Jones, who's earned that high target share in that high place in that Cleveland offense. So I'm selling the fact that Elijah Moore has passed DPJ, but I do think that he will, have a return to some sort of fantasy relevancy this season. 
What do you think, Jack? Is Elijah Moore back, or are we going to have to wait a little bit? Well, he's going to be back for some weeks. He's going to be the wide receiver two for some weeks. He'll have some wide receiver one weeks for the Cleveland Browns. But so will Donovan Peoples-Jones. And so will David Njoku. And then Amari Cooper is still there feasting on bad cornerbacks. It'll be those weeks where Amari Cooper faces a cornerback one. Then someone else is going to eat, and it's going to rotate. And I know we hate the cliche better in a best ball, but that's what we're looking at in the Cleveland Browns. You are not going to be able to start David Njoku, Donovan Peoples-Jones, or Elijah Moore consistently every week. It's going to be, it's not a coin flip because there's three sides to this coin, but it's going to be a triangle flip amongst these guys for who's going to be the producer. So yeah, he's going to be irrelevant, but no, he's not fully passing Peoples-Jones and it's going to be a headache. I'm not excited about this. I know everyone thinks it's going to be a high volume passing game all of a sudden, but it's not going to be that high fly and high salute and where we get three stable pass catchers every week. Yeah, I think that's I think those are both very good ways to look at it. I think Elijah Moore has more talent than either of you are giving him credit for. However, although it's been since his rookie season, he did. He checked all the boxes as a prospect. He had a 48 percent route win rate. I can always, always get tripped up on that one. Number nine in the NFL. 26% dominator rating as a rookie. And then a lot of tension in the locker room. I get it. He didn't play very well last season either. So there is a chance that, that that was a flash in the pan and he doesn't truly have that talent. But he at least showed some sort of talent, whereas Donovan Peoples-Jones has never proven – he's never really shown any type of skill besides tall guy run fast, down the field, <laughs> catch ball. It's Gabe, da- it's Gabe Davis-esque. So – you're right that there's not really going to be a stable producer outside of Amari Cooper. I do think Elijah Moore is going to be the secondary target in this offense. If big, if the Browns escape the draft without using any of their draft capital on a receiver, is Is there, is there a receiver that would you think would pass Elijah Moore? Cause they don't have a first round pick. Is there any guy that can go in round two that you think actually would hurt him? Cause I, well, they don't have a second round pick either. So it's, it's, <laughs> See, it's, it's exactly. So, so he's automatically escaped the draft. Do we think a guy like Trey Palmer makes it into the third round? He hurts Donovan Peoples Jones, though. He doesn't hurt Elijah Moore. He, that sends DPJ to the bench, and he's the one running wind sprints. Right. It sends DPJ to the bench. But if there's a if there's a DPJ replacement who's better at football at DPJ, that is naturally going to take targets away. He's not going to lose playing time, but his target rate will go down and his target share will go down. A Seth, little bit. Talk to yeah, us. I, w- I was thinking about this today, and this, I don't know. Like, I, I, I was thinking, he was wide receiver, Elijah Moore, wide receiver 28 uh, in his rookie season. And 2022 was a weird season. We all know how it went down with the Jets. And so uh, when I was looking at how wide receivers have played with Deshaun Watson, you're going to have to humor me here for a minute, but Will Fuller, now not the same player, right? Will Fuller was great at running deep routes down the field. Um, Elijah Moore, a little bit different player, but can do some some of the similar things that uh, Will Fuller could do. I looked at Will Fuller as a wide receiver too in Houston, paired up with Hopkins, and he was the wide receiver eight in fantasy points per game. He only played in eleven games in 2020, but so the possibility is there for two receivers to be productive in that offense. And Watson, it's not like he had a ton of pass attempts. I mean, he was top ten in pass attempts, number ten in pass attempts. But Watson's always been a guy that likes to throw the ball down the field, too. So he was number one in yards per attempt that season. And he's, aside from last year, he the lowest he ranked was number 11, number 11 in that category. So I'm intrigued by this offense. But the Browns are going to have to prove to me that they're going to throw the ball as much as it's needed to sustain two wide receivers because they only threw the ball like 25th in the NFL last year. So... I'm intrigued by Elijah Moore, his talent profile, his age. He's not even 23 years old yet. But my instincts in Dynasty tell me to sell because the buying window was before this all happened, and now his value shot up. So I want you guys to tell me this. I use the trade finder on playerprofiler.com. So I'm, I have three trades, and I want you guys to tell me which one you like better. Some of them are obvious. Like I'm, I have a purpose to this. Elijah Moore or a 2024 second round rookie pick? Give me Elijah Moore. There's more certainty in that. I do like, I know we're always looking at next year's class, next year's class. Next year's class is actually going to be really good, but 
give me Elijah Moore. Give me the proven asset rather than next year's. I don't even know if, who's a player going in the second round. Next year's Michael Mayer. <laughs> I agree with yeah. you. I would take. Elijah I agree Moore with that there, as well. And I'm seeing. Him, so we're all taking Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore. Mm-hmm. Uh, next next trade: Travis Etienne and Elijah Moore for Debo in a 2024 first. Ooh, I think I take Debo in the first. I'm taking. Give, yeah, give me Debo in the first. I I gotta I gotta say um, I think Etn and Moore might have the edge for me here primarily because of Etn I think he's really got um, that potential that ceiling to meet in Dynasty and Elijah Moore um, like we all said he's got some sort of value in Dynasty especially and I think Debo um, he is he's still gonna be relevant for a while but. I like the running back in ETN, and I think Elijah Moore will uh, will have enough value to meet that meet and exceed that value of Debo in the first. I think what, we need. I think we need a little bit more information about the league. Is it Superflex? Yeah, yes, that's true. It is, it is Superflex tight end premium. I can tell you that Superflex tight end premium. Uh, what what yeah. first was it again? Twenty twenty four first. Twenty twenty four first. So we don't know uh, what what, who, what it's going to be. I think to me it depends on your team. I know that's kind of a cop out answer, but if you're a contending team, I don't see why the Debo in the 2024 first. I feel like that's fine uh, getting that back. I feel like it's pretty fair, honestly. I haven't plugged it into the trade calculator yet, but I f- just looking at it, it feels fair to me. Taking a chance on Elijah Moore, this feels like a rebuilding team and a contending team made a trade to me. Yeah. But, yep. Um, which it could work out really well for both of them. Uh, if that's the case, last trade, Elijah Moore. Again, remember this is a tight end premium league. Elijah Moore, the three hundred three, a twenty twenty four first for George Kittle. Mm, I am bad with the tight end premium values. Does anyone have a strong tank here? I feel like it's a hot take, but I'm taking Elijah Moore the third and the first. Me too. Yeah, me too. And I'm I'm not yeah. particularly thinking too much no. about it, really. Yeah, well, no. see, that's my I'm I will admit one of my probably my greatest weakness as a fantasy analyst is tight end premium. So I can't speak for sure, but my heart and head say yes, you should trade that and not have George Kittle. Yeah, I think getting that first back especially would be again tight end premium. Maybe you consider Kittle, but. He's not like Kelsey, and I don't think he's even at the level of Andrews. So in that case, you got to go the more side. Yeah. So just kind of going through these trades and seeing what's out there, I kind of think he's a buy, like just based on what I'm seeing in the on the trade five. So it's interesting because you go into something thinking, like I went in thinking, ooh, my instincts tell me he's probably a sell. And then you mm-hmm. see what trades are out there. You're like, well – Maybe I should be buying him. You know, it just depends on where the marketplace is. And I feel like this is what good dynasty uh, players do. So this is a really good exercise to go through uh, with Elijah Moore. But Matt, I think the Ravens did something this week, didn't they? The Ravens did something this week. And when I when I was gracious, you know, honored to come on Jack Cavanaugh's player profiler today. And we talked about how it'd be very likely for the Baltimore Ravens to do something stupid at the receiver position. It wasn't quite what we were talking about, but they did it. They signed Odell Beckham Jr. to a one-year deal worth up to $18 million, 15 of which is guaranteed. Reports are, including from Jack Cavanaugh, that Lamar personally recruited Odell Beckham to Baltimore. So we'll start with Jack, buy or sell, This signing signals that Lamar Jackson is returning to Baltimore and either playing on the transition tag or signing a long-term extension. Uh, See, I I think it's neither of those, but yes, he is returning. Or a one-year deal, or a one-year deal. Yeah, he's going to sign a one-year deal. The Ravens are going to give him enough guaranteed money to say, hey, no other team has come calling. You know that no one else is going to. Let's sign you to a one-year deal because then if they franchise tag him again next year, then that percentage goes on to this year's deal. So it's not like he's getting screwed with a a second franchise tag that's the same as the first. It will go up as well. So I think that's ultimately what will happen. Lamar Jackson is all about big truss. Big truss. He's not going to leave his boy hanging. Lamar Jackson is not the type of man to say, hey, man, come play with me. You got to come play with me. I'd love to work with you. Ooh, sorry, man. I'm out of here. 
he's not that kind of guy. So I truly believe the fact that they recruited him with Lamar's help, that tells us that he is going to stay. And Matt, I will say when it comes to stupid, I don't think this is necessarily a stupid move. It is an overpay. Absolutely. But we talked about for years how Aaron Rodgers, you know, the Packers are doing him dirty. They should listen to him. They should draft players he wants. They should sign players that he wants. Shouldn't we say, okay, you've listened to your quarterback. You got the guy they wanted. I know you overpaid, but the relationship value is, could that be worth it? Because it's the same with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. The debate between Panay Sewell and Chase was that a mistake. We know it wasn't, but at the time, my final takeaway was, they made Joe Burrow happy, and isn't that worth more than the monetary amount? In in Econ two fifty one, I didn't take I didn't take a lot out of it. <laughs> shout out, shout out to Kelly Blanchard. Um, they t- I, I learned one thing though, is that there's a there's a happiness cost to every transaction, and if that happiness cost outweighs the cost of doing something, then you have justified the transaction. So when you put it in that way, you're you're following right with how academics think about econ where if Lamar Jackson's happiness value goes up by 19 million dollars then then we made a good move so that's a great point Jack uh when we when we put it through that lens when we put it through an economical lens it's actually a great move to sign Odell Beckham so I'm I'm you flip me I'm on board what do we think yeah I gotta agree with Jack here I think um, I'm buying that Lamar is playing, and I think he actually ends up playing on the tag in this case. Um, the way that Odell's contract is set up is that they have void years on his contract. It's something like three point something million for this year, and then void years for the next few years. So he's going to have an $11 million cap hit next season if they don't extend him. So I think what Lamar ends up doing is he signs that transition tag. He plays with Odell this year. And if it works out, it works out. Odell signs an extension. Lamar signs an extension. And all is good for the next few years for the Ravens. If it doesn't go well, doesn't work out, then Lamar's back on the market next year. Um, Ravens have to do something with Odell's cap hit on their hands. And I think um, that Lamar's th- kind of th- thought this through because he recruited Odell to Baltimore. And now you have Odell, you have Rashad Bateman. Maybe they pursue someone in the draft as well. Um, but I just think signing Odell in this case was not a very, when you think of the Baltimore Ravens organization, this isn't a move that they typically make. So that's what makes me think uh, um, Lamar's coming back and it's going to be a one-year type thing because of how that contract is structured and that cap hit is. I find this whole situation just fascinating because I don't know, like MVP, former MVP quarterbacks that are young going into a contract year typically get resigned resigned right i mean it's fascinating to me that apparently from what i know from what i've read from what i understand like a lot of teams are going eh, two first round picks eh, i don't i don't know about that which to me i it, it feels like a slam dunk for detroit i don't know if some teams are waiting potentially till after the draft but yeah i i can't help but agree that odell signing him means is a good sign that oh yeah I mean I'm guessing Odell's not going to come play with Tyler Huntley or whatever quarterback you can take in the draft you know I mean it just makes so much sense that Lamar is going to come back and play with an Odell now Odell hasn't played in about a year and a half since he tore his ACL in the Super Bowl right so it's going to be fascinating to see how he plays in his age 30 season that's going to be a fascinating thing to monitor I'm intrigued by this whole situation. I think it's one of the more, I keep using the word fascinating stories in the NFL. One, because it didn't seem like too many people were interested in Lamar, which baffles me. And now he's with Odell Beckham. So color me intrigued, but I I don't know if it's going to mean much for Odell. I mean, this team loves to run the ball. So let's not, if Odell's value goes up too much, let's kind of pump the brakes on that. But uh, I think if you have Odell and Dynasty, now's a great time to trade him. That's just that's just my take away from this on a Dynasty perspective. But yeah, uh, what do, what do you guys think? Is it time to sell Odell? Do you agree? It depends. I hate to give that answer, but 
we we thought Elijah Moore was a sell until we realized he wasn't. So I would have to look at some of the trades that are being put out for him. Yeah. But do you think he makes it out of the draft? Do you think Baltimore makes it out of the draft without selecting anybody? Because Zay Flowers was just mocked or was recently mocked there by somebody, I believe. Co- Cody and his I know this is an older mock draft and Cody has a new mock draft coming out here soon. Cody originally mocked JSN to him. Now that's probably changed, but I would, if I had to guess, but it, he had JSN slip in that far. So could be because, you know, coming out of the combine, uh, he heard a lot about Jordan Addison is what he said, being mm-hmm. the number one wide receiver taken. So that would be interesting. If JSN is sitting on the board for Baltimore, I think you probably have to take JSN, right? I don't know. Yeah. 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 Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I think Odell is definitely more of a a one year like redraft type target for this season rather than a a long term dynasty type deal because um, if Baltimore goes the way of taking a receiver in the first or even the third round, it's going to be that guy that gets more targets in year two, year three rather than Odell who may not even be here in those years and who knows what happens. He's already past thirty years old, two ACLs. Um, I think this season, the whole like Lamar recruiting him thing will get him targets and all that. But uh, past this season, like if you're not contending this season, you probably don't want uh, too much of Odell on your roster. I mean, so, how, realistically, how many like seven, eight target games do we think he's going to get in that offense if Bateman and Andrews are active? Because if he's getting six or less targets in a game in the Ravens offense, I, I, I wouldn't touch him with a 10 foot, fo- 10 foot pole in fantasy football. I'll let anyone else. I'll let anyone else take the risk. Yeah, because they're probably going to be bottom third in the NFL in passing pass attempts. So yeah, that. I mean, I'm going to avoid a cliche and say that you know, there's only so much grass in the lawn or whatever. (laughs) So uh, yeah, so yeah, you're absolutely right though. This is a team that loves to run the ball. J.K. Dobbins, man, I I think is going to have a bounce back year, but it's a much better real life move than a fantasy move. Yeah. It, yeah. Yes. That's well said. No doubt about that. So from wide receivers to rookie quarterbacks, here we go. Oh my gosh. The Carolina Panthers. Oh man. The, the odds have changed according to Yahoo sports, this article. Now the odds are kind of all over the place, but CJ Stroud was recently a massive favorite. We all thought it was CJ Stroud and now apparently it's Bryce young. So are we buying or selling the rapid shift in the odds that shows that Bryce Young is now the favorite to be the the first quarterback drafted at DTO. What do you think? I'm gonna sell that Bryce Young is the is the favorite or the guy that the Panthers are looking at, mainly because I believe that they the moment that they traded up to the first overall pick, they knew who they were gonna take. So everything else is smokescreen. And the moment they moved up, C.J. Stroud's uh, odds went up. Anthony Richardson odds went uh, odds went up as well. So I don't think it'll be Bryce Young uh, with Carolina. I think it's either Stroud or Richardson. I know there's been a lot of debate about which one of those three guys do you take first overall because Richardson might have the highest ceiling out of the three, but he also probably has the lowest floor. So how much risk versus reward is Carolina weighing there? But um, I think Carolina knows who they're going to take, but the market really doesn't know all that much it's a lot of speculation a lot of smoke screens being thrown out there so um i am gonna say that i think that they go with cj stroud still at that number one overall pick and um we'll see what happens with bryce young and anthony richardson i think there's a there's a lot of movement in that top four so um a lot of rumors going around but i think panthers stick with stroud what do you think jack yeah i think Pretty much exactly what Aditya said. Hold the line now that you can get CJ Stroud at plus odds instead of negative odds. Because when it first happened, when the the shift first happened, it was CJ Stroud and Bryce Young. They both had negative odds. Now CJ Stroud has gone into the positive. Bet on him to go 101 because, yes, they traded up with the quarterback in mind. They had plans to take CJ Stroud. And the funniest thing is these odds shift because Bryce Young is there visiting the Panthers. But C.J. Stroud is about to visit the Panthers. So are these odds going to shift again when C.J. Stroud is in the building with Carolina? Because we know Josh McCown loves him, 
And the thing that gets me the most is the same day that the hype started that it was going to be Bryce Young, we also got a report that Frank Reich, if it was his decision, it would be Anthony Richardson. So yes, this is all smoke screens from all sorts of different angles. Aditya hit the nail on the head. Yeah, I, I mean, do the do the odds makers have any idea what's going on right now? It, it, I've never seen. I, granted, I've only been paying attention to draft odds for for a few years now, but I haven't seen this much confusion over a number one pick in terms of the sports books and and I think my his my three year history of of gambling. It seems that it's super easy to tell. And in fact, I mean, we're, we agree here yet again on another prompt that CJ Stroud is the number one pick. And yet somehow this, the, these, these fake meetings and these fake press releases and everything, all this doing their homework stuff that, that we're pushing right through, not everyone's reading it the same way. So it's really interesting right now. The fact that this is divisive when it really, really, really feels like it shouldn't be. CJ Stroud should be the number one pick. It, it, he he's the best fit for that offense. He's the most ready to take over that scheme. And I'm selling that Bryce Young is going to be the number one pick. I'm buying that the odds makers are are kind of lost right now. And like Jack said, now's the time to hold the lot. You can, if you can get him at plus odds, you you hit the button. You don't think twice. The only way I can see this all being wrong, the only way we're wrong that Bryce Young goes 101 is if the Carolina Panthers smokescreen fools the Houston Texans, they trade up and take Bryce Young. That's the only way that C- and then CJ Stroud still goes to the Panthers. If that's the case, then the sports books actually know so much <laughs> that we can never possibly compete. Wow. Yeah, that would, man, the uh, Mitchell Trubisky all over again. Well, I, I don't know if Bryce Young would be is, is comparable to Mitchell Trubisky. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that to anybody, not even my worst enemy. No offense, no offense to Mitch. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> sorry, sorry, Mitch. I think I, just, I think, I think I just took a dump all over Mitch Trubisky, but anywho, the, the future quarterback for the Montreal Alouettes uh, or, or the St. Louis Battlehawks, one of those two. But anywho, this is crazy. Uh, if th- I think you guys are right, but humor me for a second. I mean, we do kind of is is David Tepper kind of you know potentially this next owner who's meddles a little bit too much in the football and probably needs to leave his football guys in charge of football stuff. One thousand percent. Yes. Okay, I just also so think it- he still likes C.J. Stroud. Okay, so I'm gonna stir the pot a little bit. All right, <laughs> I'm gonna stir it. Is it possible that they trade up for, you know, number one with a plan, right? Like a competent organization does because you don't trade up to number one without a guy in mind. I completely agree. You'd be crazy to do that, to trade up without a guy in mind. You you figure it out. Oh, we'll figure it out. Um, But then David Tepper starts watching Bryce Young and he goes, man, this guy was pretty good at Alabama. Hey, hey, Frank, come in here. Check out. You got to check out this quarterback from Alabama. Is that is it possible? I don't know if I don't know how these rooms work, but we did have not too long ago Jim Ursay saying, "Oh yeah, we really like Bryce Young. We trade, you know." So I I don't know. Is that crazy to think like that? Maybe these that's where these reports are coming from. And if you're super tied in with that organization, maybe you know David Tepper is as temperamental. Tepper temperamental. That's a lot of. Temper, te- te- that's a lot of temperament right that's there. A lot of to temperament deal with. is what it is. Yeah. So what, I think. What, yeah. What is? I it? think is you just possible? blew this wide open, and I think I solved the case. Okay. Get this, David yeah. Tepper, five feet eight inches tall. <laughs> you put the puzzle pieces together from there. Uh, we love a short. He king. said. He said yeah. short kings stay together. We are going to go Bryce Young. Well, they should take Anthony Richardson. Is what they should do. But anyway, that's just my hot take. Go big or go home, baby. Go big or go home. Speaking of going big and going home, the reports that this year's wide receiver class is not worthy of multiple draft picks in the first round is a is a going big take. I think those reporters should go home because it sounds to me like a lot of hoopla, but Jack Kavanaugh, are we buying or selling that JSN is the only receiver in the 2023 class that's worth a first round draft pick and is going to be drafted in the first round. See, this is the funny thing is the original story has already become so twisted. The original story was multiple teams have only Jackson Smith and Jigba as a first round. Great. 
That does not mean that every team thinks that only Jackson Smith and Jigba is worth the first round. It means that he's the only prospect that every team agrees is worth the first rounder. But there will be teams that have Zay Flowers as their first wide receiver on the board. There will be teams that have Quentin Johnson. There will be teams that have Jordan Addison. There will be teams that have Jalen Hyatt. So, yes, it's true that some teams only think Jackson Smith and Jigba is worth a first rounder. But it's also true that we're going to get multiple receivers drafted in the first round. I mean, look at last year. Look at the trade up, the the desperation to trade up for Jamison Williams. And this is objectively a worst wide receiver class, but teams love playmakers. And so at least Zay Flowers is going to go round one. I think Jordan Addison and Quentin Johnston do too. Maybe they fall, but at, at the very minimum, there will be two wide receivers drafted first round and there could be five because Jalen Hyatt could go first round too. Yeah, I got to agree on that. I'm selling that there's only one wide receiver that's getting taken in the first just because wide receiver is a premium position and teams need wide receivers. So there will be teams that are looking to take wide receivers, even if it's a guy like um, we keep hitting on Jalen Hyatt or like Josh Downs, who are guys maybe more fit to go in the mid to late second round, but might sneak into that late first round because teams don't want to... Uh, risk it and uh, not getting their guy or not getting a good wide receiver. Um, in the last couple of years, we've seen six, seven, eight wide receivers. I think average has been around seven the last two to three years. I think this year we'll see three to four, four, maybe five wide receivers get taken in the first, even if not all of them are deserving of it, just because that's a premium position in the NFL and teams need those wide receivers and Teams like the Bills, the Ravens, the Chiefs, the Vikings, all at the end of that first round could all swoop in and take those guys up one by one. Completely agree. The, the wide receiver position is too important to an NFL offense these days. And the position is, I mean, we not so much this year, but last year, I mean, with the Christian Kirk contract, you see the kind of emphasis they put on that position. So I couldn't agree with you more. I think you could even see, like you said, a DT, I was going to mention that too. Those receivers at the back end of the, or those teams rather, at the back end of the first round, those teams are the ones that I could see pushing wide receivers into the first round because, like you said, the Bills, the Chiefs have a Juju Smith-Schuster hole to fill and a McCole Hardman hole to fill, and they haven't really filled it, to be honest. Like they, I think they signed Richie James, but I, I don't know if that fills the hole or not. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be intriguing to see. Um, I think, I think Jack said it, I think Jalen Hyatt has the best chance out of all these receivers to sneak into that first round who maybe shouldn't. And just because of the big play potential he has. And, and that would be really intriguing if one of these teams like a Kansas city or a Minnesota or Buffalo scooped him up. I think we, we would see that dynasty value skyrocket if that had, if that happened. But Matt, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think it was already covered for me pretty much. I would be very surprised if if Zay Flowers made it outside of the first round. The hype's increasing daily, and team teams know that he's the real deal. The fantasy community's been saying it for a long time, and, and finally the, the NFL draft hype kind of caught up to him. And I'd be very surprised if him and Jordan Addison escaped the first round at this point after what I've seen with some of these mock drafts. I agree with what Jack said a lot, and I want to – take a similar stance, but tinfoil had it a little bit. I'm going to give an example of some teams that I think might be sending in reports that JSN is the only first round receiver, the Baltimore Ravens, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Los Angeles chargers, the green Bay Packers, any other team that needs a receiver and says, please, we're picking near the back end of the first round. We want the maximum chance of getting our guy on our roster. So let's see if we can try and leak some stuff that gets the value of the receiver class get down a little bit. And maybe we get a, maybe we get ourselves Jordan Addison five picks later. Um, I don't know if it's going to work, but I think that might be, there's, there's a very real chance that there are actual teams that, that think that through that strategy. Hey, I mean, you can't, like I say, like when you're playing a game, like a board game with your buddies, if you ain't cheating, you ain't, trying, you ain't trying, right? you ain't Amen. trying, baby. So, I mean, the worst that happens is what? I mean, oh, nothing happens. The same thing that happened was going to happen anyway. So, yeah, I, I, I could see it. Um, but, yeah, so we can't, we can't thank you guys enough for tuning in and watching. We would uh, urge you, if you like what you're seeing, click the like button and show us that you like it. 
uh, subscribe to the channel. We're going to take a real quick commercial break. We're trying to dial up the professionalism on these YouTube channels, on these podcasts. So real quick break. It's going to tell you about one a thing that we're really excited about, which is Cody Carpentier spearheaded this project. The Rookie Guide is now available. So the Podfather is going to tell you about the Rookie Guide. But stay tuned because we have some rookie running back rapid-fire questions for the guys and bold predictions right after this. Oh, I'm wearing Cody's hat in honor of Cody Carpentier. He has finished the rookie guide. It is a masterpiece. The best rookie guide you will read that combines both real NFL draft analysis and fantasy analysis. This guy goes deep. I mean, do you know who Tyon Evans is? This man wrote up and ranked 40 running backs, 40 wide receivers, 15 quarterbacks, and 23 tight ends. 23 tight ends? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. We've got fantasy rookie draft cheat sheets for super flex and single quarterback to go along with these write-ups that include analytics player comps and play style player comps. All the stats you need, the analysis you need to understand what kind of impact these guys are going to have in the NFL and for your fantasy team. So go to playerprofiler.com, go to any player page, go to the NFL draft section and click the button to get the rookie guide. It's just 10 bucks. That's it. That's all. It's not the most expensive, but it is the best. All right, we are back. Thanks for sticking in there with us. The last thing we're going to we're going to talk about before the bold predictions is the the rookie running backs. And we got some of these questions uh tied up or dialed up for the guys. The first one, again, with the buy or sell format, Roshan Johnson is the rookie RB2 in fantasy this season, Aditya? I'm going to sell that because as as great as he is, as highly as the underworld thinks of him, I don't think he gets the combination of draft capital and team fit in order to reach that RB2, rookie RB2 this season. Uh, obviously, Bijan is number one, and then you have that combination with Jameer Gibbs, Zach Charbonnet, maybe um, uh, Ty J. Spear sneaks in there. Um, but I don't think Roshan Johnson just yet this season becomes that rookie RB2. Oh, Jag, I think you're muted. Good. <laughs> I was muted. I was muted from the commercial break. My apologies. I don't want to say it's impossible, but I will say it's not probable. And I know who exactly is hyping that he could be the RB2, rookie RB2. I have an idea, but <laughs> it's possible. Because if he goes to the Cincinnati Bengals, then yeah, I will smash that. However, I think it's more likely that the Bengals get one of the top three, either Bijan, Jameer Gibbs, or Zach Charbonnet. And so I've got him at four. I've got Roshan at four. But based on landing spot, he could end up as high as two. There's just no way he ends up as one because Bijan is just a god amongst men. All right, I will admit, I will admit, I got a little got a little crazy <laughs> yesterday. Got a little crazy in mock draft live. I was fe- I was feeling the energy. Are you are you, are you drinking the same uh pre-workout that Cody Carpentier is drinking? Is that what's going on here? Believe me, I if my, if I had pre-workout, there is already too much going on. I don't need you'll you'll send me out on a stretcher, uh, a cardiac arrest. My heart does not need any stimulants. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I dialed it back in the in the show sheet and I, I forgot to to let you guys know, but I did dial it back and say top three rookie running back oh, yeah. this season. Now, um Cody's mock is a while ago, but I think these are some interesting landing spots. So let's say I'm gonna dial it back and we'll send it right back around. Let's say these these mock these landing spots from Cody's mock 4.0 happen. Top three rookie running back this season, Johnson in Arizona, Charbonnet in the, for, at the Giants, and Jameer Gibbs in Chicago. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, yeah, I th- I'd say he's probably three behind Jameer Gibbs in Chicago, even though Jameer Gibbs isn't going to get a ton of targets in Chicago. I'd still say, because James Conner is there, and I think by the end of the season, Roshan passes him, but over the course of it, Jameer Gibbs... Yeah, I would tend to agree with that. I think he's more likely to be the third one. I think he would have a chance to be the second one if there's some sort of injury thing with James Conner. You know, he's had his um, 
past with injuries, but as it is now, um, I would still put him at three among those running backs. I think I would too, but that landing spot for Gibbs is very intriguing because Jack mentioned that the passing volume in Chicago would be kind of questionable for Gibbs. I assume the Bears are going to dial up the pass this year a little bit, but even if they crank it up some, they're still probably going to be in the bottom half in pass attempts, I would assume, and that's probably bad for Gibbs right out the bat. Now, he would be the best running back out of those three, better than Herbert, I believe that. But yeah, I think Johnson has a chance in that scenario to be the RB2, but I'd probably put him at RB3. And I don't love it because I love Roshan Johnson, but Matt, I have a feeling you're going to argue for maybe higher than that. In Arizona, if Kyler Murray sticks around, and reports are that Kyler Murray's doing pretty well uh, in, in recovery right now. He was squatting about 300 pounds. Uh, we had some we had some very highly esteemed PT docs uh, that say that his his squat movement looked very good and that he, he looks like he's progressing very well. So if that's the case and Kyler's committed to coming back and playing this season and Roshan Johnson lands in Arizona, I'm pretty excited because James Conner was was seeing some pretty significant targets in Arizona, some meaningful targets, as well as a lot of goal line work. So uh, that's going to stay and that's going to be the issue for Roshan is is getting over that goal line. And, you know, he's going to be his Zeke, but. Uh, it, I, I, I think I'm going to go with Gibbs still at RB two in this season because Roshan probably takes a little bit more of a backseat to James Conner than we would like in all reality, as much as we're going to push the Roshan narrative, as much as I want to push the Roshan narrative in reality, he'll probably lose some of those high value touches and Jameer Gibbs will, won't really have his, his backfield competitions, Khalil Herbert, who's solid, but unproven little draft, little investment in, in that asset. So I, I, I'm very tempted. It's close. I'm still going to go three for Roshan Johnson in dynasty in this class. I want to make it known. I made it, made it very clear in my draft last night in my mock draft last night, but it's Roshan Johnson over Zach Charbonnet in dynasty. I will, I'll fight tooth and nail on it. And Charbonnet, if he landed with the giants, that would just nuke his value. Yeah, it would. It, it it'd be great for next year because Sa- it'd be clear yeah. Saquon's gone, but it would destroy him for this year. Yep. It, it, the most interesting thing about it, and I know Cody's mock is still from a month ago, but Cincinnati and Philly don't really go for one of these these upper echelon running backs, and I think that's still more likely than we think. I, I don't know. It feels too easy for them to load up at running back, although you know you can say it's a smart decision, but. Uh, it, it just would be it's interesting to think about at least talk about the reality where we're not, you know, kind of mocking these these big ticket teams to be taking these big ticket running backs. You know, we got to talk about, you know, the other the other realities out there, you know, in the multiverse. Yeah, I mean, uh, Theo kind of talked about it on the Sonic Truth podcast, but you look at the end of round two and it's just I think he described it as murderer's row for running back landing spots, starting with Miami at pick 52. Heck, maybe even. Tampa Bay at 51 I mean the Bears have two picks in that range I doubt if they'd take a running back because they brought on Foreman but you know Los Angeles Chargers Jacksonville New York Giants Dallas Cowboys Buffalo Bills Bengals that's that that would be sweet if a running a running back we like like Roshan landed there Eagles and the Chiefs you know the Chiefs they haven't signed Jarek McKinnon yet have they they have not. He he tweeted that he's being disrespected, and oh. I I I think a lot of running backs that are older in the NFL are getting a little bit disrespected. I think Leonard Fournette's probably regretting asking to be cut because he's not making what he was making with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, it could be. You know, NFL teams are always looking for that. You know, but that those. Th- I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Third round running backs. I mean, they can just draft one in the third round and it, it'll be serviceable enough. Uh, all right, Matt, 
it is speaking what, of yeah go for it speaking of running backs that might get drafted by the miami dolphins ty J spears has has made quite a name for himself throughout the senior bowl and nfl draft process Will his pass-catching ability and dynamism that everyone is getting very excited about, will that make him a fringe RB3 or better this season? So top 36 in fantasy football and PPR leagues. What do you think, Jack? Jack Jack Havanaugh. I want to buy it. I really want to buy it. If he lands somewhere like the Miami Dolphins, especially because Mike McDaniels has proven that he doesn't care about size. And not that Ty J Spears is small. He's above 200 pounds. He's above that. Jameer Gibbs threshold, red mark for Jameer Gibbs because he's not 200 pounds. Hate those kind of analysts. But Tajay Spears, he's above 200 pounds. A team like Miami would just run him into the ground. And if he lands in the right place, the PPR upside is incredible as well. So I'm a big fan. Of course, if the draft doesn't go his way, we reserve the right to change our mind. But as a pure talent and just in general, At some point, Tajay Spears is going to be an RB, not three, but an RB2 in the NFL. I think he'll be an RB3 this season, hopefully. But at some point, he's got RB2 upside, probably not RB1 upside, but the receiving skills makes it so it's not impossible that he could ever become an RB1. Yeah, I love Tajay Spears. He's one of my favorite running backs in this class. He's got that perfect combination of, of just being able to run right through the defense and also have those pass catching skills that make a running back really valuable in the PPR um, fantasy leagues. I think he's definitely got that top 36 um, potential. So I'm buying that he's a fringe RB three or better this season. I think there's only maybe one or two landing spots where I'd say he doesn't have that opportunity and uh, one of those being Baltimore and another one being like New York, uh, only like with Saquon being there and all. But in all other situations, I can't see a situation where he wouldn't get that um, third down pass catching role uh, for a team or be um, be one of those guys that just gets funneled those check downs and um, different carries. He was he was 91st percentile in both first score and college yards per carry. So he's he's got that that um, uh, for lack of a better word burst. And I just said burst score, but he's he's definitely one of my favorite backs to watch from this draft class. And I think he's easily fringe RB three or better. Can you imagine if he replaced Kareem Hunt in Cleveland? Oh, that just came to mind. The, the the burst got me going. That group, that all three of us going that, ooh, at the same time. I mean, that we're, we're getting excited about it already. I think that might be a picture-perfect landing spot for him. That would be nice. That would be nice. I I really like Tajay Spears, too. I, I feel like this is a, a you know consensus amongst the, amongst the player profiler guys. And if he gets the, the Miami Dolphins landing spot or a, a landing spot like that, absolutely. I mean, absolutely, he's in the RB3 conversation which is exactly why i mean i pulled him up right now his adp is kind of surprised i mean at 134 according to the fpc which is a little bit higher than some of the other running backs but i think that tells you the ffpc is really sharp and so they they're probably projecting him to get better draft capital uh than you than than a lot of people think like in our mock draft index, I looked at it and I, I couldn't find Tajay Spears, which tells me that some people will have him mocked really low, right? But I think I think he goes on day two, and if he goes on day two and he gets the landing spot that we want him to get, I think I think yeah, I think yeah, I think he's got the talent, he's got like you said the size, he's got enough size, and he can catch passes out of the backfield. Even I love if he, it. even if he doesn't go day two, even if he goes early round four, because. Round four is kind of the new round three when it comes to running back. I'm still, I'm still okay. If he goes early day three in that fourth round, that's just the new NFL with running back. So I, I think we're going to be excited about Tajay Spears when all is said and done. Can we Pierce Damian Pierce territory then? Yeah. Can we trademark fourth round as the new third round for running backs? I I love that. (laughs) We're going to clip it. Yeah, just start yeah, buying all the fourth round running backs just because it's it's the third round now. It's just they're they're automatically the third round. Uh third round's the new smoking. Um, you know, you just avoid third round running backs. 
Um, looking at the Dolphins' backfield, so so Jeff Wilson was an RB thirty-two in fantasy points per game. So I, when you look at the role that he could potentially kind of go into, you know, he'd probably get a little less than you. Know, he wouldn't get eleven carries per game uh, his rookie year, but he'd have more of a passing role. But when you think about the the level of opportunity that he can step into in his rookie year, uh, right, you know, running back three seems seems pretty achievable. I, I was kind of surprised that all four of us agreed here. I thought somebody would sell it, but Spears is a, a friend of the program essentially at this point. So I can't be, can't be too shocked. Um, maybe, maybe this next, maybe this next rapid fire will, uh, will split us up, Seth. Oh man, I'm going to be, we'll see. I won't give away my position before, but I'm, anyway, Israel Abanacanda, the, maybe the best name in the draft. Uh, what's, what, like, what do we think? Does he deserve day two draft capital? And do you think he's a top five running back in this class, Aditya? So initially when I was, when I saw this question on the show sheet, I was like, well, you know, you have your, your Gibbs, Charbonnet, obviously Bijan, uh, Roshan Johnson, Ty J Spears. How, how can he be top five? And then I took a look at his deeper analytics, deeper profile. I was like, wait a second, this dude is extremely athletic. And he had some really excellent college production. Um, he's had, I think, some of the best college production out of all the running backs this um, in this draft class outside of probably Bijan. And even then, he's he's one of the most athletic uh, backs in the draft class as well. So I think initially I was a little bit hesitant to say uh, to uh, to buy, but I think I'm gonna buy that he uh, deserves that day two draft capital and is a top five back in this class. I think he has a good chance of taking that, um, of getting taken in the uh, third round and maybe one of those teams that we were talking about that uh, for landing landing spots like Miami uh, picks him up because just more and more as I looked into him, I was like, wait, does he, does he catch passes? Yes, he catches passes. He does. He's athletic. He had excellent college production. He catches passes. I don't, I don't see how um, he doesn't deserve that day two draft capital. Let's go. Absolutely love that. I think he's locked in to the top five. I think if Kendra Miller had tested, then he maybe falls down to six, probably falls down to six, but because Kendra Miller does not test, the NFL will punish him too. And so Abanacanda will get better draft capital. But even still, that would make him a top six running back. And he could fall anywhere between that RB2 and that RB5 this season. Would anyone be shocked if he landed with the Miami Dolphins? He outperforms Jameer Gibbs in year one. No, I don't think anyone would. People compare him to Tevin Coleman because he's got that home run speed. But he is a lot bigger than Tevin Coleman. Better receiver than Tevin Coleman. So... Yeah, I'd lock him into that five slot. For for me, at running back, Bijan obviously won. No one's disputing that. I don't think you can dispute Jameer Gibbs as the RB2. I just don't think you can. You can switch Charbonnet and Roshan at 3-4. I go Charbonnet, then Roshan. And then it's a Banacanda locked in at five, and then it's another teardrop after that. I love it. Uh, I don't even care that I'm not getting us to divide. <laughs> I will sing praises of Israel Abanacanda from the rooftops. I've been mentioning him in, in this podcast for quite a few weeks now. He's, he's really intrigued, intrigued me throughout the entire draft process. And once we were able to put some workout metrics in the record books, it, it got a lot sweeter. I'm, I'm starting to get really, really hyped about Israel Abanacanda. He's 90th percentile or better in all three of his workout metrics, the 40 yard dash 93rd percentile 93rd percent speed score and 97th percentile burst score. He's got all the athleticism. And despite being a junior, he's kind of like me. He was young as a junior. So he's only, he's not even 21 yet. Aaron Stewart said he can't even celebrate how awesome he is with a, with an alcoholic beverage. Cause he's not even 21 years old yet. So he, he's despite having three years in college, he's basically only had two, but he's has, has that extra experience while still being under 21 years old. I'm all in. I'm pushing the chips in this season. Gosh, I I hate to make this an agreement podcast because I I don't like that. But let me just read you something from the rookie guide that that you should go get. By the way, that's on PlayerProfiler.com. 
So it's Israel Benikanda. And by the way, I don't know if I'm giving too much away by saying that he is the RB5 in the rookie guide. Running style is eerily similar to Melvin Gordon. High and tight. Uh, some things aren't perfect. Vision choice and ability to change the direction without hesitation. But there is high end ability in his profile. And when you watch the tape, because I just, uh, I just completed a film study on this guy and looking all at all the metrics because like oh my god what am i like why is this guy so low like not that he's low for us but for some people he's a little bit lower on the rankings right because he's got the size he's got the speed and the burst and then when you watch him play it's like oh my god when things are blocked right he gone he's going to the house and scoring touchdowns it's it's really he just he's one of those players who just pops off the screen like the athleticism matches what you're watching and he passes the eye test for me. And I like, I, these are my notes right here. I, I, about this guy, I love this prospect in all caps and I'm guessing another team will fall in love with him too. Like I said, he has a rare combination of sp speed burst and size dominated in college. And like I said, I noted what it said in the rookie guide, right? Like he, sometimes he might need to work on his vision, but those are skills that can be improved with, you know, with reps at the NFL level. I'm all in on Israel Bandicanda. <sighs> Wow. Yeah. Feel, feels good. Doesn't it? Yeah. It feel, yeah. it feels good. There's a PFF yeah. study that I, or a PFF chart that I saw out in the Twitters today, Israel Abanacanda. I'm looking at it right now. That's why I'm looking down. Israel Abanacanda in his three seasons, never surpassed a 65 run block rating from the graph. It's not super detailed, but it looks like it's around 62.5 for basically all three of his seasons. That ranks 11th. In this RB class, and most of these running backs were able to achieve a running back or a blocking grade of at least like 68. So lower percentile run blocking, upper percentile production and efficiency metrics. What does that tell you? The guy's good at football. Where did this Banna Hammock go to school, guys? <laughs> God. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Pit. Pittsburgh. Unit the Pit. Pit Panthers. Playerprofiler.com. Ian Kenny yeah. Pickett were tearing Player it. Player page. Up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, we can't thank you guys enough for coming on the show. We're going to give you time to plug your stuff. And when you're done plugging, give us a bold prediction and we'll get you out of here. Aditya, we will start with you, my friend. Yeah, currently I'm working on a series, Diamonds in the Rough, identifying some uh, day three guys that are going to pop uh, uh, are going to pop on your screen in terms of analytics and uh, production in college and also guys that they get the right situation landing spot they'll be big hits like that damian pierce in his fourth round last year isaiah pacheco darnell mooney uh those kinds of guys taken on day three so working on that series uh take a look out on player profiler uh for that and i'm also going to be helping out a little bit on analyzing the rookie guide and um helping uh helping make cody's work well known for not that it's not well known but uh I know that a lot of people out there on the uh, part, members of the underworld and player profiler really love the rookie guide. So trying to help out and make it more known. Jack, what do you got to plug? What's your bull? Oh, Aditya, what you got a bull prediction? Oh yeah. Um, my bull prediction. I know we've been talking about a lot of rookie running backs throughout this, throughout this show. So my bull prediction is on another rookie running back that we haven't talked about. Devin A-Chain, he is going to be a top five, um, one of the first five running backs selected in the draft. And I think that it's going to be primarily because of his speed. A team is going to fall in love with his speed and his pass catching ability and take him over some of these guys that we talked about, maybe Spears or Banny Kanda. Uh, regardless of uh, what we think about them, I think uh, teams love speed and he's got the speed and pass catching and he's just another one of those guys that um, we didn't talk about on the show, but that's my bold prediction. I think he's one of the first five running backs selected. Uh, doesn't it, when I say the name Devin A. Chain, like doesn't Kansas City just feel like where he's going to go? Jerick McKinnon replacement, baby. CEH replacement, baby. Same bad pick. <laughs> Let's do it again. Yeah, yeah but at least, he, at least yeah. he's not going to go in the first round true true no, no yeah he won't he won't he'll just be jack. overdrafted in fantasy yeah jack what do you got to plug what's your bold prediction 
Follow me everywhere at Javanaugh87. You can see me more and more on TikTok at Profiler underscore news. You can catch Player Profiler today, seven days a week at 7 p.m. And my bold prediction, since Odell Beckham is not going to the New York Jets, they need another receiver because they've made it clear that Corey Davis isn't their guy, isn't who they want. They pursued Odell aggressively. They're fine with Corey Davis, but... He's making $10.5 million. They can save all of that by moving on. And there's a certain wide receiver, a certain ex-wide receiver that would step right in to Corey Davis's shoes that is on the block. And I heard a report today that the Jets are in on DeAndre Hopkins at wide receiver, doing everything they can to make Aaron Rodgers happy. Wouldn't that be something seeing DeAndre Hopkins twice a year against Bill O'Brien, his arch nemesis? Wow. Uh, Jack, Jack ha- leave it to Jack Cavanaugh to continuously just come on this podcast, do a little dance, and then wait till the bowl prediction and then just drop a bomb and just watch our faces melt. Every time we have him on, he's got something for us, which is why we love having you on the program. Pleasure's all Th- mine. Yeah. That would be insane. DeAndre Hopkins going to play with Aaron Rodgers. Yes, we just Aaron Rodgers that, that, that deal's making that deal's happening. All right, I you know it's what a what a comedic situation that has become. So yeah. are, are are the reports of them not talking for weeks? Is that is that hooey? Is that is that actually true? I believe it's probably true, and I believe it doesn't really matter at this point. They both know what the other is offering or the other wants. Where I think things will change, and I actually just posted this on TikTok is when mandatory minicamp starts creeping up. If this doesn't happen before the draft, if this drags on, mandatory minicamp rolls around, the Packers cannot afford to have Aaron Rodgers show up. That's going to be hella awkward. The team's going to gravitate to Rodgers, even though Jordan Love is the actual starting quarterback. Packers can't afford that. So be careful, Green Bay. Do not overplay your hand. And I'm starting to think they have. It just, breaks, it just breaks my heart that, you know, Green Bay is, <laughs> oh my God, this is so great. This is like the best uh, year of my life. We got Yingling beer in Missouri and the Packers are going to suck. Yes. You know, not to, oh, I, I'll save my bold prediction after the plug. Uh, I, alongside of DE, will also be writing about the rookie guide. I will be taking on writing about two future stars that the breakout guide is is pushing out we'll talk about what the what the breakout guide says about these two players give you a little hint we have talked about both of these players on this podcast already it's not too much of a hint because we've talked about a lot of rookies in this podcast but it's it's two of them for my bold prediction seth Mm. you're not going to be able to dance on the grave of the green bay packers just yet because They are going to do something that they haven't done in quite a long time, and that is outwardly dedicate your entire process to setting up an offense for your quarterback to succeed. They are going to draft multiple offensive weapons in this draft. They're going to draft a tight end. They're not going to, they might not draft one of the top three, depending on the landing spot, but they will be selecting a first round pick on a wide receiver. And that wide receiver is Jordan Addison. By the time it gets to the Packers in the first round, I believe Jackson Smith and Jigba and potentially Zay Flowers will be already off the board. I think the Packers, uh, he's Addison's been mocked to the Packers a couple of times. I think he's a scheme fit, although I'm not going to claim that I'm the best judge of that, but I can judge his talent and his, and his advanced metrics and his prospect profile, which are all very glowing. And Green Bay is going to make a statement and they're going to draft Jordan Addison and they're going to put him alongside Romeo Romeo Dubs and Christian Watson, and they're going to set up a a, a high powered offense for for uh, for Jordan Love to lead out this season. All right. What do you think about that, Seth? What would you What would you think about it? Well, if I thought you were going to say that they're going to they're going to be the team that is the surprise team for Lamar. Mm. Yeah, I mean that's more of crazy than bold. I've gone I've done crazy before. I I thought yeah. about going just bold here. Yeah. Okay. Well. I, I'm not I'm not afraid of Jordan Love, so I, bring it on. That's what, what I got to say. Uh, we have we have the better quarterback and potentially the better team because the Bears and I know you guys have just been waiting for my Bears takes. 
So the Bears have, let's see here. I'm looking right at it, but I can't count. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten picks in the draft. Oh, my gosh. Something's going on here. I had an article pulled up, and then you know how it, you have an article pulled up, and then a video just blurts out? I don't know if you could hear that, but anyway, this is good radio. So the Bears have 10 picks in the draft, right? They have 10 picks, and they have a lot of second and third rounders. So I think, and maybe this is just hope, hope, I, I think the Bears might be willing to admit that it was a mistake to trade for Chase Claypool. Now, the process was good, right? But I... I'm wishing for it. He visited with the Bears. I really want Jaden Reed to be a Bear because I think that guy's an amazing player. And I think the the in the second, er, late second, early third round, it might be a little bit early for him, but we'll see. I think I just think that highly of that guy. So there's my one Bears bold prediction. But my real bold prediction is that Roshan Johnson is going to find the landing spot that we want with Cincinnati. That's going to be the guy. Cincinnati's going to take Roshan Johnson. It's going to propel him above Zach Charbonnet. And I think Jack Cavanaugh would be happy with that as well as a, as a Bengals guy, right? A Joe oh, yeah. Burrow guy. Yeah. No complaints. So I think that's going to happen because the NFL loves Roshan Johnson. They do, just like we do. As they should. Seth, by the way, since he – humble, humble Seth. He is the editor of this of this fine establishment known as playerprofile.com. He is the mistake fixer. He's the one going through all of our articles, making sure everything's crisp and clean, no caffeine. Shout out to Sprite. Uh, crisp and clean, error-free, and and ready for the public. You can find all of his tweets at Seth underscore Diewald. Diewald. Oh, my God. D-Wall. It's okay. We, I, try, I try and give you a good promo. I mess the, up your the, last name, of course. You can also yeah, find him on Mock Draft Live every now and then. Yeah, where I destroy Aaron Stewart all the time. Uh, so, and that no good Aaron Stewart, uh, we're gonna we're gonna fix this for real. The mistake fixer on Tuesday night. So be there for mock draft live a week, less than a week, but a week about a week from now on Tuesday. Aaron Stewart and I we're gonna we're gonna settle this before mock draft mania. All right. So I'm calling you out again, Aaron Stewart. You no good bearded man, you with your stupid Rashad White takes. Get out of here. Rashad White is going to be a great player for fantasy football this year. So just get out of here with those stupid takes you have. All right. That is it for us. Thank you guys so much for coming on the show. We couldn't do it without you. And till next time, as I'm struggling to find the end screen, as I always do, we will see you later. Bye-bye, everybody.